I tell them all the time, all the time. I still ain't figured this out. I'm in it for the long run. I still ain't figured this out, man. She said she got the hands. I still ain't figured this out. She say he got the cues. I still ain't figured this out, man. I'm in it for the long haul. And welcome to another episode of the Crappy Awesome Podcast. It's your host, Kill C. Ray. Um, man, we're back. I got a dope guest today. Um, you guys know him. If you follow this show, you definitely know him. Um, he's been on a few times. I haven't talked to him. Uh, I, I talked to him earlier, right when the pandemic first started, but um, we haven't had a chance to catch up since then. So we're going to do a lot of catching up today, um, kind of see where he's at. Um, but yeah, man. Your boy 60 East is on the show. What up, 60 East? Christopher, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Um, yo, it's been a minute. Um, I think the last time we talked, we talked more as a staff for Thought Fest. Um, when you had you were in the middle of like rescheduling the whole thing. Um, so let's get kind of an update on that first, kind of like where are you at? With Thoughtfest, is, is are are we still in a place where we can't really make a call yet, or what are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, um, it seems like every day everything just kind of changes, so it kind of puts us in a difficult position to even, um, you know, clarify if the show's still going down. I mean, we have contracts with artists saying that the show is set for October, so un- up until we decide that it's not, you know, the show is is technically still going on but um you know just with everything going on it just kind of seems like um it's still kind of early to make a executive decision yeah yeah it does it does seem like it's i feel like it's almost changing on a daily basis right now like i feel like sometimes i'm like yeah okay we're gonna be we'll be cool and then like a bunch of motherfuckers go out and don't wear any masks at all and then everybody gets sick and then they're like yeah we're closing it down again um, but are you, so how does that work as far as like, like, do you, cause I know promotion is going to play a factor in this, right? So you're going to have to pull the trigger on when to start promoting it and, and reselling tickets again. Right. So we still have the, the same ticket link up from April and people that bought tickets, tickets are still, um, you know, they could still be used for the October show and people can still buy tickets to the October show. So that's not really the problem. Um, the promotion, you know, we if we were to stick to the schedule that we've been on, we would be throwing the launch party sometime in July mm-hmm. and then using, you know, the rest of the summer to promote the show. But um, again, it's just it's just kind of hard to see. You know, it kind of seemed like we were heading in that direction with things starting to open up. And now it's kind of like the, you know, Newsom saying that he might shut everything back down again. And like cases are seeming to go through the roof as things are starting to open up. And I don't know about you, but personally it seems like it, it just keeps getting closer to home. Like I just keep knowing more people that are getting infected by it. And as much as I want to like, not, I wouldn't say ignore it or downplay it, it just kind of seems like it's it's really a big problem that people think that is not that serious. Yeah, I, I feel like from what I've been watching, um, all the stuff that I've been watching, it's it's been 
it seems like even just geographically where we're where we're at, like Southern California, um, it's almost as like a wave. Like it, you you hear it on the East Coast, and it, the wave just starts coming across the country, and then it hits us last, right in Southern California. It seems like that's how it's been. Um, but yeah, California as of today has skyrocketed with cases. Um, and we're hearing more and more about like younger people, which is a weird thing too, man. This whole, the whole disease, whatever it is. And I know there's tons of theories and all that kind of stuff on it, but whatever it is, my stance on it so far has been, if you believe it or not, right. Whether you believe it or not, like say you don't believe in coronavirus, you're like straight up, it's government thing, blah, 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 whatever. The fact is, though, is that people are dying. So even if it's fake, people are dying. Isn't that even scarier? Like, that's even scarier to me if it's not real. So either way, I'm still going to play it like it is real because that seems like the most logical thing to do, you know? Yeah, like just maybe a few days ago, one of my best friends, um, you know, recently had a, a newborn. And he told me that, you know, she had tested positive for the for, for COVID. And I was like bugging out, man. And um, like knowing like my circle is pretty, pretty tight knit and everybody's kind of like on the wearing a mask, not really going out unless you have to type tip. But I do have that one friend slash coworker that is like, oh, I'm not wearing a mask. That's not that's not USA. You know what I mean? Like there, <laughs> there's the. There's that one person that I do know, and there's hundreds of them online that I see. But like, um, yeah, it's it's really real, bro. And I mean, take 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 into consideration that I was in Vegas last weekend, just because kind of like they opened it up, and we were like, well, let's you know, we could even just kind of like play it kind of cool, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, were there a lot of people yeah. out there? Uh, there was, and you know, there's. It's funny because I just seen like on ABC that they announced that it's mandatory that you wear a mask out there now. But like as I was walking around the casino, there was like they weren't enforcing it. They were only enforcing it like if you sat down at a table, you had to wear a mask and all that. But if you're walking around, you can walk around without a mask. Yeah. Yeah, but, that's um, interesting. I, I think um, there I, w- I was talking to somebody else about this. I think that there has to be some concern about places that pump air conditioning into a room and recycle that air. You know what I mean? Like, and that's a lot of the big places that people go to. That is what happens, you know? Uh Oh, did we lose? um, I think we lost 60 East. Are you back? I think you're on mute. Hold on a sec here. Yo, yo. Yeah, you're there. You go. Our bad. You're good. Yeah, I missed whatever. Uh, whatever. Was um, I, I was saying. I think that there has to be some concern about people um, breathing in air where the air conditioning is just recycled air, which is most of our biggest place. It's airports. It's casinos. It's concert venues. Like all that stuff is happening, and apparently that's where you know it's it's a very risky thing you know it's interesting like who is enforcing it and who's not what about around you where you live is what's it look like around where you live are people back out um yeah kind of it's still like 
um, when you go inside like restaurants or whatever, like you have to walk in with the mask. And then once you sit down, you can take the mask off and stuff like that. And you're supposed to wear it like as you walk out. Yeah. And all the way, all the waiters and stuff got mask on. And like I went to like as soon as they opened, man, I went to like one or two restaurants and I was like, yo, this ain't it, man. Like I'll just I'll, I'll wait it out longer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, like I, I think- see people I see people like going to the bar and like quick to like just go do that. You know what I mean? And I'm like, nah, that ain't it, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I um I did I literally just saw a story right before we went live of this dude who went out um I guess him and his five friends went out to a bar in Arizona and all five got it. Wow. Like, literally, literally all five and he's just like, yeah, I was one of those dudes who was like, ah, I can't wait to get back out there. He's I definitely wasn't like a believer and he's like uh within like 5 days my my temperature was like close to 112. Oh shit. Um, yeah, and he was like, dude, it's 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 a horrible thing. It's hard to breathe. But he was like, like I said, he was like 30. Wow. That's that's crazy, you know, that it, it so it, it seems like again from like the some of the readings I've been reading is that um some of the some of what we're dealing with is just like an evolution of the uh of the the virus. You know what I mean? Like it's it is I I have read this. What they have in New York isn't necessarily what we have here. The coronavirus, it alters itself and adapts a little bit, you know, not that it's like completely mutating or anything, but it is a little different. And it's why we're seeing like denser populations um, having a stronger form of it, because that makes sense. Like it's that virus is trying to survive around a bunch of people. So, of course, it's going to be a little stronger, Um, whereas here in California, it seems to have only affected a lot of the older people. Um, but we'll see, man. Like you said, yeah, I, I feel like I'm getting to a place too where, damn, I'm starting to know people when I didn't yeah. know anybody who had it. And now I'm kind of knowing people and that shit's scary. And to, to be honest, man, like I never stopped going out because I'm quote unquote an essential worker. So like every, every day, like since like the, the shutdown started, like I've been out, you know, going to work and doing mm-hmm. all that Luckily, I don't, I don't come across too many people, but there's days where, like, I have to work with 10 people or five people in the same room, you know what I mean? And it's it gets kind of scary, and I see, like, the people getting affected the most are, like, the working class, Hispanic people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, people that are out there, like, in the trenches every day, like, and they don't have the privilege of staying home. Yeah, I mean, that's just it, though, right? Like, is that people don't... Uh the way that this pandemic hit first was definitely it hit people who were not in like privileged positions. I mean, that's just the truth of it. You know, like it, it, it hit the black community and the Brown communities really, really hard very early on. It still is, you know, um, a lot of it has to do with practices. A lot of it has to do with like immune systems, the ability to ha- to be able to like strengthen your immune system on a daily basis is, is hard for a lot of people to believe, but, that shit is that shit is definitely like something that everyone can't do. Not everybody can buy vitamins. Literally. Like they literally I mean, even, just can't even, buy vitamins. Uh, even having the knowledge of having vitamins and taking vitamins on a daily basis, you know what I mean? And having yeah. that that education. Yeah, and that's not everybody. And and so it's obvious why it hit those um things. But like, man, that's it's it's as far as for you though, like in your family and every everybody's everybody's good so far. Everybody's doing good. 
Yeah, you know, uh, like I said, we just got back from Vegas, so like, um, kind of want to go to the just go get checked and make sure everything's cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and again, just to kind of like working with different people, and um, I mean, just to make sure we're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we want to just we're we're gonna go get checked. Um, just to go get checked. Yeah. It, you know what I was thinking too, like when it as it pertains to like Thought Fest. Um, I know that there has been some events happening around the country. Obviously, there are there's been concerts, there's been um, but they're just smaller or whatever. But one of the things that I've been watching is like the nightclubs, right? Because obviously there's some nightclubs that have opened back up. Um, and it's interesting that like again, it's it's this is why I think the virus is so dangerous, is because it is so unpredictable. You could go to a city and everybody's out, everybody's partying, and literally a month goes by and not one new case where smaller cities open up and it's within a week. Right. Um, the protest, uh, that there's, there's a lot of data out right now that none of the protests have caused the spread of this virus. That's actually not what has been happening when there are not a lot of cases coming out of people protesting out on the street, most likely because they're outside, most likely because it's during the day. Um, it does seem like a lot of the protesters are abiding by the mask rules. Um, but it's the fact that we can't still put a, our finger on like how you can get this is enough for me to stay home. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm always skeptical about what they're telling us and how much for information sure. they're giving us and how, how factual these numbers actually are. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, you can't. It, that can't be denied. I mean, obviously the conversation of what this was all about will be taken care of throughout history. Right. But living through it, it's just a different situation. I, I know I definitely have talked to like some, you know, we, both of us have like some pretty big conspiracy friends as well. Um, and my, my thought on it is like, I am not against you on the conspiracy side. In fact, I'm not a truster of, I'll say it right. I'm not a truster of the government at all. Um, but I definitely know the conversation doesn't need to happen right now. Cause we're still on the front lines and motherfuckers are dying. Like, I'm not like, I'm not willing yet to go like, it's all fake. And it's just a control thing. Cause I said, even if it is, then we're really fucked. If it if it really is just this some crazy conspiracy, then we're fucked because we weren't able to we're not able to stop it. There's nothing we can do about it, and we have to start to wonder is like why would they do that, right? That's the scary. That's the even scarier thing. Why would they do that? You know? Yeah, I mean, I, we could do the what ifs and the conspiracies uh -huh. all day. Like if we really want to get into population control and like mm -hmm. if they really want to wipe out, you know big percentage of the population this would be the perfect way to do it in the perfect Absolutely. time and according to like the new world order and all that stuff like this that's kind of what's happening if you're following all that and if you believe in all that yeah and, um, i just did you hear the one recently there was um there's this story that's starting to break a little bit more and more i've been watching it just from like the financial side is that so okay so apparently the fed um, you know, like they're printing money like crazy right now. It's why it's why there's still money circulating because they're just printing and they don't have a rule against that. They're a private company. They can do whatever the fuck they want to do. And so they're just flooding money. But the reality is that they're starting to see that there's a large sum of money. And I'm talking large, like 320 billion from what I heard um, that the Fed has unaccounted for. 
Yeah, and it's super. It's super easy to write it off on the pandemic because when we're all said and done, we can literally go like, oh well, yeah, we lost three, three twenty billion on on uh, just stimulus checks. Yeah, yeah, we had to give it away. We had to do all this, all this because of the pandemic. But that, but there's people that are already theorizing like the pandemic was the excuse. It's basically like the cover so that they could make more people rich. And a lot of people have gotten very, very rich during this pandemic. And that's a crazy thing. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely, you know, whenever they say whenever there's a blood on the street to buy property. And like I saw, I think I've probably seen the same article you're talking about. And they were saying that like, oh, they accidentally gave like X amount of billion dollars to deceased uh, Americans. And it's like, wait a minute. So where did that money go? And it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know. um, and especially like the the investors and the people all up in the stock market right now, like the people that know where to invest and all that. And like, yeah, I, I'm honestly like taking notes from these dudes too. I'm like, where should I invest right now? You know what I mean? And it's like, where are these people putting their money in? Um, at least the morally ethical ones. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you got to think. Um, I'm definitely expecting this because to me, this is just like a math issue. Like, we there are there are over a million Americans right now that are not paying rent, right? Um, Because they just can't. Um, And there has not been a bailout of, like, the property owners, and I don't think that is going to happen. So even if the property owners held up the rent, that will come back in to effect, and they're going to owe a bunch of money, right? Which means eventually there's just going to be a wave of evictions, that shit's really, really going to happen. Then we're really going to see some crazy shit, shit hit the fan. Absolutely. And that's why, uh, like, as crazy as it is right now, I still don't think we've even seen, like, the tip of this thing, you know? Nah, I, like, I, I would bet on it getting worse, you know what I mean? And, like, I, I always think that it's, like, the way things are looking, I'm saying, is, like, they're looking like they're going to get worse before they get better. And it's, like, we haven't even seen the the convictions or the non-convictions of the people in the George Floyd thing, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And um that that's a whole other topic. And that's like one of what how many cases are going right now? There's like there's two in Atlanta. There's dude, there's so many. Did you see that thing the other day in Milwaukee? I guess they um I was watching the live stream as it was happening on Facebook. And I guess apparently two young girls have been kidnapped. Um and in this in this in this city within like a 10 city block radius over the last three weeks uh young black and brown kids have been disappearing off that street and the and the neighborhood literally knew like where where it was where it was going down and why it was going down there was sex traffickers in the neighborhood like and that the entire neighborhood knew this one house down the street that's where they work out of they're smuggling kids blah 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 they end up the community ends up they're already on the streets, right? So the community ends up going down to this neighborhood, basically burning this house down. They found um, some bloody clothes in there. The cops ended up showing up, um, and they actually brought like 10 people out of that house in handcuffs. They had hoods over their heads. It was all on Facebook. Um, in fact, if you Damn. just search Milwaukee on Twitter, I think it'll still be in like the latest. Um, but there was videos, and that's, it was literally like a, a case of vigilante, like a vigilante thing, 
where the community was like, fuck the cops. They're never coming. We call them. They, they're, they're like, oh, that's a runaway. You know, like they mo- like, let's be real. Like they do a lot with black and brown kids. They consider it to just be a runaway or, oh, was a kid acting up? Okay, we're not going to call it a missing child until, you know, two weeks later or whatever. And these and these people just apparently took it into their own hands and it fucking exploded. And I can tell you this in my neighborhood, literally four blocks from where I live right now, there's been three shootings in the last two days, two at cops. Damn. Bro, I don't remember a time. I don't know about you, but growing up, I remember when cops would get shot at and literally the whole city would lock down and they'd go after these. And now yeah. these dude, these dude, these people got away. They they shot at the cops that they held the cops were had to like all go for cover in this park and they got away because they literally don't they don't have time to go look for that shit right now. There's too much shit going on. That's a scary thing when our daily like our daily like uh, government is starting to break down. You know what I mean? You're starting to see that happen way more and more. Like car chases in LA. Remember, remember doing the looting a couple of weeks back? Two major car chases and they got away, dude. When do you ever yeah. see it? They got away. The cops were just basically like, fuck, we can't do this anymore. Peace. That's that's insane to start watching, you know? Yeah, it's it's getting crazy out there, and I'm I've been watching like all the all the propaganda. Like I like watching both sides as mm-hmm. a I consider myself like a spectator because I'm not left or right or none of that. You know what I mean? So I just kind of like analyzing everything that's going on, and um, I've been watching like the the extreme right wing propaganda, and it's all trying to instigate civil war and like just oh yeah, hella extremists, and it's you know it's it's crazy just to see this and just everything going on in the streets and. There's just so many cases going on that we can't even keep track of anymore. You know what I mean? Do you feel like this, um, like in your life, like obviously we've seen, you know, parts of the L.A. riots. And then that's basically it as far as like civil unrest, as far as like our generations go. Do you feel like this was this happened very quickly? Like we went from like zero to 100, like really quick. No, I mean, I like especially now going back and doing my research on American history and um and all of this stuff. It's kind of just been a boiling point. And I saw a meme the other day where it was a glacier and there was the it was an iceberg and the tip of the iceberg was George Floyd. And then when you look underwater, it's the names of all the people that have been, you know, victimized by police yeah. brutality over the past X amount of years. And it's kind of like a lot of people are like, why are people martyring this person? And it's like, no, this person just was the person that got filmed and was the tipping point. And people, we've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, um, let's get into that a little bit. Where were you, um, or how was it in your neighborhood first when things started to crack off? Was it at your front door yet? Or were you, are you still, were you still watching it in TV, um, when the protest started to erupt? Um, it was funny cause I was in, I was in LA, like I was, uh, forgot what I was doing out there. And like the, the L the first LA protest started jumping off like a block over. And like, I was about to hit Hope street. And then I started like, we were seeing people and like people walking and we're like, Oh damn, they're, they're starting a protest in LA. So like I turned and got out of there, like right when it started. And, uh, that was like the first night everything really jumped off, but, um, it hasn't really hit. Ontario like that there have been protests around here you know, uh-huh. there was protests like in uh 
Pomona, there's been one in Rancho, Upland, Fontana. And there was actual uh, one of the videos that went viral on Twitter of like the the white dude pulling out the rifle on the on all the protesters. That was right up the street from my crib. Wow, wow. Is it um? How does it feel like when you go to the store? I like I saw, for instance, right. I went to um, the supermarket the other day, and as I'm walking in, because there's a line, you have to like stand in the line six feet apart. Um, I walked in. Um, and I was like cleaning my, everybody cleans their hands before they go in. I was cleaning my hands and there was a dude, um, at the checkout and he had no mask on and he was just yelling. Right. And, um, he was like, fuck your mask. I'm not wearing your fucking mask. You can't make me wear a mask. And it was weird because what would normally be like a situation where people would just kind of look at it and then just walk away and like, let the staff take care of it. I saw everybody literally, dude, like starting to come closer around this dude. Like they were like starting to like, I'm talking normal ass people. And it dawned on me like how tense people are right now. Like people, I know a ton of people who would love to sock someone right now. Oh yeah, dude. Never been in a fight, never, but they would, if they see a fight, they're probably going to jump into it. If there's any racial things, they're getting in the fight for sure. Um, do you feel like it's, does it feel tense where you're at? Not really. Um, I haven't really felt that like in person, not like, not at least like in public. Um, again, with my coworker I was referring to earlier, the the angry white dude, like you can see it like in him, like I can mm-hmm. sense the anger and like he always, every time I see him, he's like, yo, this happened at the store, this happened at the store. Um kind of seems to be following him but again he's one of these people kind of antagonizing it rocking out like you know i want to say he's rocking a maga hat or nothing like that but definitely that personality yeah. you know what i mean yeah and um yeah it's it's crazy bro i but i haven't seen it personally like that but like scrolling online you just see it all day and it seems like that's just the topic all day going on right now it's just people arguing about Black lives matter, all lives matter, this, that. And it's like, it's so crazy, bro. What have you been, um, like, what has caught your interest the most in, in these protests? Like where, where have you been like, like putting your attention at? So, uh, all right. This kind of why, when I had texted you, I wanted Uh to get into all of this because it's kind of like, um, prior to this protest, I never really, spoke up about social issues and, and stuff like this mostly because i read a book um how to how to win friends and influence people in the digital age it's a world-renowned book that you know mm. billionaires everybody reads this book you know what i mean and one of the number one rules of this book when building a, a audience or running a business is not to speak up on political issues or religious issues or to make yourself um appeal to only one type of person you know what i mean you want to be uh-huh. as broad broad as possible or whatever so that's kind of like the businesses and the celebrities that you see not talking or not speaking up about this. That's what they're doing. You know what I mean? They're just they don't want to neglect a certain um, base. Yeah. And I guess that that was one part of my stance on being silent, I guess. Another part was just being uneducated and not knowing what's going on and not knowing American history and the fight that's been going on from the beginning of the the founding of this land you know what i mean and that goes from them not teaching it in school to me being a dropout and not going to school and not having any interest in it and then that made me dive down the tunnel of 
how many other Latinos and minorities are running around out here and not knowing what's going on and over here like, yo, people are stupid for protesting, not knowing that the reason that we are even able to protest and sit in classrooms and do all these things are because the people before us fought for those rights. And like that really sparked my interest in knowing that like me being here today is because someone before me fought for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then diving even deeper down that tunnel of soul searching and looking at, at the beliefs and thoughts of my friends and the people around me is that being Mexican <clears throat> in Southern California, like our whole lives were kind of pinned against black folks. Like they're kind of seen as the enemy, like on the street side because of the prison politics. And like, I guess growing up like, um, in the streets, you know what I mean? That's, you don't really question it just because those are the rules that we grow up by. And yeah. um, again, like diving deeper, I looking into my own personal perspective, like I grew up just out, I grew up in between two South side neighborhoods, you know what I mean? Which were all Mexican neighborhoods. And on my block was mixed. I grew up with blacks and that always gave me a unique perspective. But like, once I started running with, you know, certain, a certain group, it was like, yo, we don't rock with blacks. And then I was kind of like the dude, the only cat in the circle with black friends. And then mm, kind of having to break those molds, you know what I mean? Even yeah. as a kid and not even knowing it, you know what I mean? And not even realizing where these fights originated and started from. So it re all of this, like, it really came because someone, uh, someone called me out on Twitter. And I wouldn't say called me out, but they just went on a spree of calling out Mexican artists that they see um making moves in hip-hop right mm -hmm. and and homegirl asked like what are you doing for for black people right now i think that was yeah. the, the the direct question and it 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 i wouldn't say it bothered me that that she like chose to single me out along with a couple other people but it it made me think you know what i mean and it really made me dive into myself and start realizing these things and start asking these questions and, um, you know, I'm thankful for that because it kind of it kind of lit a fire in me to where, like, not knowing where I stand on this and me having to dive into myself and ask myself, where do I stand on this and why and where does my family stand on this and how am I even here? And just wanting to know my own history and not look stupid in arguments with people that I'm trying to have this dialogue with, you know what I mean? Because before, like said co-worker would always come in here talking his pro-Trump shit and I never had anything to argue with him with mm. because I didn't know politics or history you know what I mean so I really just took a deep dive into myself and it made me start educating myself on American history and Mexican Americans and civil rights and the and the California history and the Texas uh, and the history of Mexico and all of that stuff, you know what I mean? So over the past, like, couple of months, that has been my primary my primary focus. And um, I've been speaking out more about it, like, on Twitter and online. And I've kind of built up, like, a little audience around it. Like, I didn't know the people that followed me would be interested in this. But, like, the moment I posted something, like, I posted something on Twitter. And it, it, it kind of, it didn't blow up, blow up. But it was the biggest tweet that I've ever tweeted. And it was just because I decided to be outspoken about this. And I, a percentage of my base uh, resonated with it. And it, it went to this whole other group of people that rock with what I'm saying. And then, yeah. like, I've been seeing people say, like, they've been losing followers by speaking up. Like, I've noticed my followers going up since I started speaking up. And yeah. it kind of made me realize, like, maybe 
this is part of what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I'm maybe I'm supposed to be speaking up on this. And why isn't there more people like me speaking up on these topics from this perspective? And that's when I text you, remember, that's like one of the main things that I text you. I was like, yo, like me and you being Hispanics in hip hop in Southern California, we have this unique um, perspective that we can speak on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, it's interesting, man. That's super dope, by the way. I, um, obviously if more people did that, we wouldn't be in the positions that we're in, but I feel like, um, I don't know. I know initially I was, I was probably, I was kind of in the same place as you were like, as I didn't, I grew up with black people my whole life. Right. Um, most black and Brown neighborhoods we are, and it's, and it's like 60 said, either we're like right up against each other or our word neighbors. And that's just the way it is. And one of the things that I did a deep dive with, um, with a friend of mine who's black is we both kind of got to a place and we had a conversation that turned out out to be super dope, man. Like, but it was, it was slightly uncomfortable at the beginning because what we wanted to do with each other is admit the racism in our homes that that we grew up with. And again, I grew up with black people. I grew up with Mexican people. There's a generation in both, both places and there's a multiple generations in both places that are that are that say racist things all the fucking time like it's this it's constant right like uh i'm gonna say some shit um and this is this is actually it's not even a bad word but you know this right in latino communities when some when they refer to a black person as negrito they don't mean even though they're only saying he's a black guy that's it's a way to say it there's a connotation to that word everybody knows that you know what I mean? There's this, there's this connotation that that means more than than we like to admit a lot of times, you know. And um, that shit's hard to admit because my grandmother used to say that. Um, you know, my my grandfather used to say that, and and they had black friends, but it was always it, it what what it did is it defined a difference what they meant. There was a difference, you know what I mean, between us and them. And we know now our generation is, we obviously know there isn't, you know what I mean? Like there is, there's not, you've been pulled over. You've been in handcuffs. I've been in handcuffs. I mean, you might as well be black, right? In America, that's the truth. Like we don't get treated any different. You know what I mean? And I wanted to dive dive into that and, and understand that. And um, I remember being a kid, and I don't know, I I don't, my memory sucks, but for some reason, this always stood out to me that we were like briefly learning about um, slavery and segregation. And I remember raising my hand and asking my teacher, like, "Yo, where where were Mexicans during this time?" And my dumbass teacher was like, "Oh, Mexicans weren't around at this time, or Mexicans didn't <laughs> exist at this time." And I'm yeah, like, oh, we're, we're never I, around. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh, okay. I didn't dive into it back then, but like going into things now, and that sparked in my head. And I was like, well, maybe I had a fire or a passion for this knowledge even back then, but it, it you know, it didn't register until now. So then I had, I did my history, and I was like, well, what were Mexicans doing during slavery and segregation? And then I'm like, 
I started doing the history of um California and Mexico, and it's like okay, there's there was not only was there um racism brought by the Spaniards that that still exists to this day going on in Mexico based on the lighter your, your skin, the yeah. more whatever you want to call it, the more privilege you have, or the more you look like the the natives or the Aztecs or whatever, like you're mm-hmm. the darker complexion, you get treated differently, and um. You know, just knowing that, that that still exists and back to the segregation things like I didn't know that California was segregated and Mexicans yeah. couldn't swim in pools with white kids and Mexicans couldn't go to schools with with white kids. And we were in this exact same boat as blacks. And um, and I again, just diving into the research and knowing that there was a case in California called Mendez versus Westminster that took place in Orange County. Yeah. It was a Mexican kid. It was a Mexican family. And, you know, she was going to this white school trying to enlist her kids and her her brother's kids, her nephews. And the person at the school board was like, OK, your two kids, the light skinned kids with the last name that sounds European can come here. But the darker kids that look Mexican, they have to go to the Mexican school. And the and the mom and the dad were like, yo, what the hell? You know what I mean? So they were like, no, we're going to fight this. And they ended up joining forces with uh, families from a couple families from Santa Ana and uh, from around Orange County and making it a class action lawsuit. And it ended up gaining a lot of notoriety. And um, the NAACP, the the Asian organizations, the Jewish communities all caught wind of it. And they were like, yo, we need to get behind this and support the Mexicans in California fighting for um, desegregation in schools. So they did. And this ended up being the the case that ended segregation in California and California was the first state in the United States that have schools desegregated because of a Mexican family, but they wouldn't have been able to do it without the support of the black community, the Jewish community, the Asian communities, you know what I mean? And that case ended up leading to the famous Brown versus board that ended desegregation throughout the United States. And like me not knowing this history, it was just like, uh, it was just ignorant to me, you know what I mean? And just going back and learning it, I'm like, oh, wow, like we have been fighting a similar fight this whole time. And um, we've been in the same boat. We were segregated. We were treated, you know what I mean? We were being policed by, you know what I mean? We had over-policing in our neighborhoods because of the color of our skin. Absolutely. And then that, that, all that led me into the Zoot Suit riots and, and all that shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there was, um, you should also, another good one would be, I think it, they call it the Lemon Grove incident. It's actually happened here in San Diego, um, where there was a huge um, example of segregation. And the and I say this all the time, um, it, it seems weird, like, like when, like, like for, especially for Mexican people, when you start to study things like Mexican slaves, and how that actually existed. Um, yeah. And it, was, it wasn't it was because, um, you know, Mexicans got brought here or whatever. It was literally hum- like human labor like that has, has existed for a long, long time. And our country was built on it. You know what yeah. I mean? That is, that's not up for debate. The Chinese people were made slaves to build our our basic infrastructure of railroads and roads like all this stuff has been happening forever and i i I too have been um kind of like studying the idea that there and thankfully man i i think this is one of the things that you and i definitely have 
Um, and I become way more appreciative of, of this. Like we have this, a special connection to the generations that are coming after us simply be because of the work that we do. Right. We're constantly dealing with generation Z and Y and millennials. And, and I'll tell you this as much criticism as the younger generation gets. Um, I think there's a lot we can learn from them right now, because when you talk to like a generation Y, which is, you know, a 12 year old, 13 year old, they are growing up with an inherent idea that racism is bad. Like they know, like it's not even up for debate. They're confused why we let it go so long. Like, and that's what you're seeing right now is this reaction and a new um, injection of energy from a, from a generation that is leading. They're on the front lines. You know what I mean? Like these, these kids, these younger kids are on the front lines. And again, like our generations have, for, for a lot, in a lot of ways, criticize the, the new generations. But at the same time, like you said, people like you and I, it, it's, it's our responsibility to educate ourselves on these issues, dude, because what you say, and, and I was, I was thinking about this, man, like, as you were talking about what you're, what you're researching, man, that it's so needed, bro. Like from someone like you, um, because it's like I told Noah, right? Like Noah, you're, you're, you and Noah and uh, other people that we know, like you're like generals on the battlefield. So yeah. it, it's super important that the people on the front line, the kids can look to the generals and go, okay, cool. We're doing the right thing. Like they're behind us. They understand. Um, if there's anything they don't understand, they're, they're not writing it off. They're trying to understand because what you do in doing those actions is you empower the movement, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're making it, you studying the stuff you're studying right now is making it so that they can't separate us later. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what they I, like to do. I made a tweet about that saying that like our generations didn't have all this knowledge at our fingertips. These mm -hmm. kids do. So it's kind of like, Oh, let me look up racism. Oh, let me look up the history of the United States. Whereas generations before us was kind of like, you're taught what you're taught and you're set in your ways. Yeah. Whereas yeah. these kids is like, well, no, let me let me see if that's right. Like, oh, no, shit was really fucked up when you go back and look at it. And um, like you said about being a general, like I never looked at myself as, as an activist or nothing like that, mainly because I was just um, not informed. And um, yeah. someone someone told me they're like, yo, you're you're a community leader now. Like people look at you for leadership and you yeah. need to know you need to have a stance on everything and you need to speak up about it and. The main thing that I've been hearing is use your platform. And um, yep. and yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm just trying to become more knowledgeable and, and have a stance and just know where to take this fight. You know what I mean? And uh, just having more information has just made me so much stronger. Like, I, like again, when I text you, um, the thing that really stood out to me from that Noah interview was when Noah said that, you know, his family's been here for 106 years and that his family lives in the plantation that they used to be slaves on like though that hit me really hard bro and it yeah. was like and he was talking about his conversation he had with mescal and how he's been they've been fighting this fight for hundreds of years it really it uh, prior to hearing that i was kind of in this fight kind of like oh i'm mexican i'm supposed to be in this fight too like we're fighting for our own thing but then looking hearing that made me go back into to like African history and uh, the whole the whole picture and just made me realize like no like the black people have been fighting for equality since the beginning of 
uh, the Mer- of United States when yep. Mexicans were still in Mexico on the West Coast prior to them even trying to colonize the Western side of the, the continent. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's kind of like, no, like this is a fight that we need to back them up on. You know what I mean? Yep. But we're also a branch of it. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we have a separate fight going on, but at the same time, we're part of that bigger fight that has been Absolutely. going on since the very fucking beginning. And, um, yeah, learning the history of Texas and, again, back to Mexican slaves and Mexican lynchings and, mm-hmm. and all of that and just knowing that they had a, a three trees. And I heard the story. It was in Austin. They had three trees in their town square. One is where they would hang the brown people. One is where they would hang the black people. Yeah. And the other one was they were, I think it was uh, natives and others and Asians mm-hmm. and shit. And it's just like, fuck, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, these dude, are all I mean, things that I things that I did not know, and they really they really strike a nerve with me, and just wanting to pass this knowledge on to people so they understand what's going on. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I can tell you, dude, just as a, as a friend, it's it's super important. It's super dope to hear you saying stuff like this because, um, like I said, I just think that it's undeniable at a point like you've worked for everything you've you've gotten right, but in working for those things and in succeeding at those things, the burden of leadership is, 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 is what it is. It's the trade, right? Like I get to do certain things that I think are cool or my life gets to be a certain way, but that none of that's for free. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a responsibility that people like you and I need to make notches in, in the mountain so that the next person has a place to put their hand. You know what I mean? Like it has to happen. That has to happen. I, I, I've I've been very vocal about like hip hop in general. Um, yo, we birthed fucking Chuck D, bro. We birthed fucking Karis. We birthed we've birthed these revolutionary people. Those things don't need to go away. We need more of those right now. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of people like you who, because of your life. There's no way for you. There's no way for anybody to make this up. Like because of your life, you have these very unique perspectives that you've yeah. been able to see. Um, we we are part of a, a culture that you know. I say this all the time. Like we we know the history of hip hop. The history of hip hop was black and brown. That is not debated. That was that is not debated. They black and brown people were standing next to each other from the beginning, right? And and for us to not acknowledge the the thing that we take part in and the history of the people that helped make it, right? Because a lot of the times we just hold on to the symbolism, but these are people, man. Like now, like that Noah thing, bro. Like that that interview with Noah um, has was one of my favorites so far, only because as a friend, I was like, yo. Never can we ever say that you don't know somebody that this is affected to the core. We can't say it now, right? You can't say it. I can't say it. It is impossible. If anybody ever tells me, oh, that's not true. I know for a fact it's not true. Noah doesn't lie. That happened to Noah. He's our friend. Hearing hearing that story made me dive into the whole reconstruction era that I had no idea existed, bro. Like, I I literally thought, like, fucking... They they were like, okay, slavery is over. And it was like, okay, slavery is over. And I'd never paid it no mind. But it's kind of like when you start thinking of like, okay, say you're a slave. And they're like, slavery is over. Okay, go outside. 
like yep. leave, go, go find a word. No skills or, or anything. Sometimes you, no you don't language. Know how to read. Yep. You don't know how to read. You don't know how to write. You don't have any money. You don't have any family. It's just go. And they're expecting you to be equal. And then yeah. it's kind of like, okay, they, then they install the Jim Crow laws. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, we're going to just say slaves are legal under this law saying if they're criminal. So we'll just criminalize everything these slaves that are walking around here are doing. So if you yeah. don't have a job, we're going to say you're a criminal. Yeah. But you can't. But we're also not going to let you get a job because you're black. And yeah. <laughs> there's and you shouldn't be reading. Laws, and you can't read and you can't yeah. write. So uh, we're just going to send you back to the same plantation you were just freed from. And it was like, yo, I did not know any of that stuff in the whole hearing the the reconstruction era hearing just the failure of what it was you know what i mean and the great um i forgot what they phrased it the great letdown when the president ended up just pulling out all the northern military out of the south and yeah. that's when they were able to go back to segregation yeah yeah then, i mean it's, it's like, you, how how do you expect these people to be equal when you set them up to not be equal yeah, it's it's literally built into the that's the thing that I think drives a lot of, you know, people who are racist. It drives them nuts to hear that. Like the dysfunctional. Mechanics of what America is, right, like it is built into the fabric, the yeah. very fabric of look, uh, it's written. We it, it was it, written. <laughs> exactly. Dude, look. Here, here's a, here's a thing that a lot of people don't necessarily put a lot of time into thinking about, but the first Americans, right? The not the natives, the people who called themselves Americans, the first ones that came here came from from what they felt was a religious um, battle, right? So the reality is that hard right Christian beliefs. Are, were built into the Constitution, built into what we were founded on. And within those beliefs, now, now, mind you, the people that came here ran from England, literally one of the oldest Christian nations in the world, because they thought it was too loose. They thought it was too, it, it's too crazy. People, uh, what, you can't have more than one wife? You can't have all these? So they left. And they started this America, what, you know, what, what we have now, and if it was based from the beginning in one belief, then obviously from the beginning it was not evened out for all people, right? Because not everybody yeah, that, believed that, that. That is all part of that belief system is white mm -hmm. supremacy. Absolutely, kind of. Oh, dude. What 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 we believe <laughs> is better from the beginning. Our for the forefathers of America said what we believe in is better than what you believe. And you can't American, base like, a free I, country on that. I tell people like American history for dummies is just imagine a group of fucking people in Europe. They're like, yo, we're tired of these rules. Let's just go find the land, kill everybody on it and make our make our own rules to benefit us. And we'll fucking make people do all the hard work for us. And we'll just yeah. sit at the top. We'll just sit at the top and collect all the money and <laughs> fast forward fucking couple hundred years. And we're here. And it's yeah, and it's still going strong. Like um, and the only reason the only reason these people aren't working for you under those same rules anymore is we had to fight for that shit. We had to rise up and revolt against that and say this shit is wrong. And we're finally here. But if you look at it, it just exists in different ways. And instead of a plantation being in Atlanta, now it's in a third world country where they're able to give people slave wages. 
So yeah. they just took the slavery and moved it to a different country where the people that are there aren't going to complain about it. Dude, slavery is for many large businesses, whether they admit it or not, it's a resource that they use constantly and they look the other way. And I think the bigger questions, um, this is one of the things that I've been thinking about, right? Like we right now, this is the tip of the sword, right? It's like, like you said, like the, we see the history under it, but the actual sword is being plunged in right now from our side, right? We're saying, we don't want this anymore. Things have to change. No, things aren't going back. <clears throat> Even like the defunding of the police, right? I didn't know what that was at the beginning. I had to study what that was. And and the reality is like defunding police, uh, it doesn't mean no more police. It literally yeah. means stop giving them fucking money for things that they don't need to be doing because we could be using that money to put people in places to take care of these issues in a better way. That's all it is. And because most cities, I believe yours as well, Ontario, I read about it, um, the police control the majority of the budget of the city, of the entire city. How does that make sense? How does it make sense that policing? So that means that at some point, someone had the conversation that, yo, what does this city need the most of? Yo, we need to get, we need to police this city more than anything. That's ridiculous. That's how San Diego is as well. And because until now, a lot of us hadn't been educated on what budgets are for the city. Like, everybody's starting to get up on this shit now, right? Because ultimately, whether you pay your taxes or not, you are paying them. You're, yes. Everything you put, every all your money that goes out from you and doesn't come in is going to that system. And it's, and it's empowering that system constantly. Under, understanding, like, the budgets and all that now made me realize that like I'm one of the few people within our community that has a relationship with the city via mm -hmm. the festival. You know what I mean? Yep. So they know my face. They know what we're doing. So if I were to go in there and present these things that we're over here sitting talking about that we would like to see change, it'd be a little exactly. bit easier than somebody that doesn't have familiarity in the building. And exactly. um, bro, I've been, I've been seeing cop cars drive around Ontario without a service signs. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> And um, That's crazy, yeah, just under, understanding all of this stuff just makes me want to, again, just be more educated and become more of a figure in my in in my city, in my community. Yeah. And I that, feel like um, one of the things you were talking about earlier about the whole hip hop thing, one of the biggest conversations that needs to be had is the black and brown relationship in Southern California, bro. You know what yeah. I mean? And um. I don't feel exactly like we're the best people to talk about it because mm -hmm. we're not, you know, active gang members. Uh -huh. um, but like that, I feel like maybe that is kind of where I might be able to help because I, I'm familiar with the world, you know, with that world. You know what I mean? And I feel like yeah. I can, um, whether it's just educating local kids that are in that world and just kind of showing them the bigger picture. I feel like, um, you know, I, I recently started a nonprofit organization and I feel like that's the the, the road it's really going to go down because um, it's going to take the OGs to sit down with the OGs and talk about these things. You know what I mean? Because these yep. things stretch further back than than me and you and, and, and any of that stuff. You know what I mean? It's really going to take that. But I feel where our power is, is by empowering the youth and the black yep. and brown communities and showing them that like, 
these struggles have been going on for hundreds of years and the separation between you guys was created to keep you divided yeah. to not fight against this system. Yeah. Yeah. It's simple. Dude, that's simple military tactics. Yeah. Right? Divide, split, divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. There is, again, it's very hard. I was talking to Parker about this. I was like, do you think that in America it's even possible for you to go racism doesn't exist without knowing that you're lying. Right. Dude, back, back, back to reference the, uh, the case I was talking about and like the, the Mendez versus Westminster when the NAACP and all of them got involved is that if we would go back and look in history and anytime people have decided to revolt, whenever the other minority groups join forces, the minorities are no longer the minorities. They are the majority and they will end up winning that fight every time. Do you feel like this is um, because because it, it seems like you're having more of like a um, like an internal change and internal development? And are you do you feel like this is going to affect your art moving forward? Definitely. I, I yeah. can already like I'm already dropping little little gems in in lines and stuff. You know what I mean? And even the books that I've been reading, I bought so many books in the past um, month just about all of this stuff and um just you know any new information is going to affect my music whether it's information about religion politics um the universe women whatever it may be i'm gonna share that knowledge yeah i think it's that i i think it's dude i'm telling you i think it's super important that that you do this there i mean it's simply put i think it's super important it makes me proud to be part of the thought fest company that you know that our leader is doing stuff like this because i think again man i don't it's like i told noah about we we were talking a little bit about the um and with curtis i talked about this like um when when we feel individually appropriate to release art and stuff right and kurt i think again he put it simply simply put like you don't make bullshit Right. You are one of those artists. You don't make bullshit. You care about your music. You you you've always had a message in everything you do, whether it's emotional, whether it's sociological, there's always something about it. Um, So imagine if you were like 60 East biggest fan and you're one of these kids who's on the front line and you're fighting every day or you don't have a job or it's just struggling. It's hard or mom's sick or and your artist favorite artist isn't putting out any messages and so you feel even more alone right because you know how music has done for you you know what music has done for you you know that you've been in hard times and an album will get you through we you have to think about right now the people that are out there on the front lines we're at service for them right this is we are making we have the ability to make a soundtrack for their lives we have the ability to say things to help inspire them we have the the ability to connect to bigger audiences for them there to me i feel right now as artists we have nothing but responsibility right now we have nothing we we owe it because if we want to continue to live the lives we live (coughs) then for sure in hip-hop right for sure black people have to be free black people have to be free for you and i to continue to do what we're doing that's there is no argument against that so we are at service. I like coming off a release in February. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I had I've had a bunch of content ready to release over these past couple of uh, months that I just haven't released because of everything going on. And mm -hmm. um, it's not necessarily the music, but like everything kind of around the music. And I just I just feel like it's not about me right now. And I heard you talk to know about this and I do feel releasing music is important and I feel it's maybe the kind of music um mm -hmm. also has a, a thing to do with it because uh dude I'm, I'm an influencer on this app and I get sent you know music every day and just seeing the amount of I can't breathe and, and blah 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 songs coming at me and it's just kind of like ah eh, yeah I feel like there's certain artists that'll work for certain artists that won't you know what I mean for some of the artists that I see doing it like I I feel like they're trying to take and I feel like the artist is going to work for are the artists that are trying to give and, and right. to educate. You know what I mean? And you're, I, you're one I, of those people, dude. Yeah, I personally feel like, I mean, the art's going to come. I, I mm -hmm. haven't really sat down and tried to make something specific for what's going on. But I just feel like my words, even if they're not lyrics, just I, I've noticed my tweets. You know what I mean? Just my my, just in, my my independent thoughts, me being a free thinker, being able to being able to um, read something and form an opinion out of it and put it out there and have people receive it, it is my, kind of my power. You know what I mean? Some people's power is going out in the streets and, and fighting with the cops or whatever, or protesting, you know, that might be their thing. My thing is I have a platform that I could use and I'm good with words and um, I'm eager to learn and educate. So I feel like my part in this fight right now is that. Yeah, and I think the 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 lesson of it all is the only thing we can't do right now is is be silent. Like we just can't. Like it's not they need everybody, dude. You know what I mean? Like you need everybody whether and again, I think it's important what you said, like defining your role is important and it's important to do as a leader. Like you should define what you can help as. Like Noah said right now, he's um He's like, what I'm doing is giving my platform to as many people as possible. You see them like constantly educating people on all their Instagrams and stuff, um, giving up uh, time for other people to talk. Um, I think those are great things. But like the perspective that you shared today is a perspective that we need, dude. Like, you know that, especially in the Latino community, they need to have these conversations. They need and to, then I feel like, to um, push down that way, you know? I feel like everyone has their own base and I've noticed that a percentage, uh, a good percentage of my base is white. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And like, aside from my Latino and, and black fans, I have a good portion of, of white fans that need to hear this. And I feel like the, I feel like I see a lot of people attacking other people when they're trying to make points or when they're trying to uh, speak on what's going on, they're attacking certain groups of people, whether they're attacking white people in general or generalizing that, and I feel, I've never liked that approach. I've never, because you can't fight for the oppressed by oppressing somebody else. Yeah. So it's kind of like you have to be able to speak to everybody and have them be able to listen and, and speak to them in a way that they're going to accept it and not automatically turn red and turn it into an argument. You need to be able to have subtle discussions and debates yeah. and, and be able to understand each other. And like, my producer, Phil the Pain, he came over to record um, last last weekend. You know, he came over. We were going to record. And we just started talking about um, everything going on. And we ended up not recording. We ended up just talking for like four hours. He's a white dude from from Boston, one of the, the oldest cities in the country. You know what I mean? Right, right. He has, he has a unique perspective. And he was speaking from the white perspective. But 
uh, more of a progressive perspective growing up in the North. But if you go back in time, you know, there were slaves in Boston at that time. There was shit going on up there, too. Sure. And we just came down to an understanding. And like he he kind of broke down to me the Anglo-Saxon history and the history of uh, of those kind of white people and their ideology and the whole concept of white evil and and all that stuff that I never really was aware of either or educated on either. So he kind of schooled me on all that. And I was like, oh, so there's actually a group of people that that know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and they're just kind of making it ride under the radar. And, right. Um, and that's when I started, like, picking up on all the dog whistles from Trump and previous administrations. They use similar mm-hmm. wording to trigger Southerners and, and yeah. you know, racist people and stuff like that. And then it's like, oh, this shit is really just all a game that the average person does, doesn't understand. Right. And I think I think one of the things that um, is worked into the system, right, is the uh, is obvious. Like, just think about this. If you were if you had an enemy and you were on the battlefield and you had the opportunity to before they even hit the battlefield to put them in a state of mind that is not clear. Right. That is angry. That is confused. Why would you not do that? You would constantly do that. Again, it's just a technique. It's it is a they want us on the street angry. That's what they want because it's super easy to control that. Anger's not you, you go into a fight super mad, you're probably going to get knocked out because you're not con, you're not Thank concentrating, you. right? So the reality is it, I think and again, props to the people that I do see out on the streets because I know um there are large groups of people doing peaceful protests and bro, that is gotta bother the powers that be the most, right? That we can't even instigate these people. Uh, uh, Rick Scales and uh, one of our our boys, Vinny, they were out doing um, during the protest, and they were working as people who would just walk along the sides. And if anybody started spray painting, anybody started breaking stuff, they would go stop them, you know, yes. because because it's so important. And the fact that we're starting to again, police ourselves, it, that's got to be scary. That's got to be scary to the, the people that would like to control us. And that's why I say, like, it's so important right now that we're very careful at what we do, what we say, what we're putting out. We, we, you got to put the education in it because, again, they're trying to breed confusion into what we do. It's, it's obvious. But I think we're at a part, especially hip hop, man. Especially hip. I don't even know how you could listen to hip hop and fall for that shit. Like we yeah. literally have volumes and volumes of people telling us the truth. Forever, they've been telling us the truth. It's always existed in hip hop, you know. Yeah, I, I, I was saying I like watching like the I like watching both sides, and I'm over here watching the right wing extremists talking, trying to instigate civil war, and telling people like, "Oh, they're coming for your houses next. Yeah. They're coming for your family." And it's like, for "Yo, your daughters." That that is not anywhere part of this conversation. You know what I mean? But they're just trying to rile people up, and I feel like you know California, living on the coast, um, we've always you know we're most California majority Hispanic. You know what I mean? So we've mm-hmm we're kind of at a privilege in against Absolutely. some of these other some of these other states because you and me being touring artists we've seen rural america we've seen middle america oh. and 
and how it's black and white in in a lot of places. You know what I mean? And yes. The biggest, the changes, it needs to happen in those places in the South. You know what I mean? Just just now, even going back and learning the history of the South, like that's ground zero. Yeah, I have. Um, there, my uncle told me a story when he was in the army, right? And they were down in Alabama um, and they were rolling through and he's like, dude, it was, it was exactly, he's, I've seen this scene in so many movies. And he's like, and he's like, I, I always found it weird that people thought that was just like the movies. He's like, but they, it happened to us all the time where this is an army bus, literally an army bus was rolling through Alabama and they got stopped by KKK members and they wanted the arm. They literally told the army us, we want you to send the black people out. Like, and obviously they weren't going to do it. Like, and, and it just so happened that that bus was full of Mexicans and blacks that were in the army. And so of course they were like, all right, we're about to fight then. And they ended up having to let them go. Cause obviously they weren't going to win that fight against a bunch of dudes that just got out of boot camp. But he was like, dude, that was normal. And he's like, and we would get back on the bus and no one would really talk about it. It was just, we'll see them at the next stop. And, and that's just the way it was. But I think one of the things that past generations and a little bit of our generation, right? You, 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 you talked about this with your own experience. A lot of the stuff, because of the lack of information, we were forced to um, swallow it hook, line, and sinker, right? Like we didn't know that what they were telling us was a lie. It was literally a lie, most of the stuff, right? Because these things were being left out of history books. Look at the stuff you had to study right now. Like you said, growing up, that wasn't, I don't remember a history class, bro, where they yeah, put us up dude. on anything like that. And I don't how remember. We were, how we were saying that they made sure slaves didn't read or write because they might think for themselves and realize yep. what's going on is fucked up. It, in a sense, instead of not teaching us to read or write, they're going to program what they want us to teach and what, what they want us yep. to know and how they want us to think this country was born. And like talking about um the soldiers, dude, it, it bugged me out how black Mexicans were were sent to go fight in World War II f- to fight communists and and the fucking the shit going on over there the and we're supposed to be supposed to be land of the yeah. free and then they would come back here and not be able to vote and I heard a story about um I can't think of his name right now but he had got back and there was a like his family wanted to bury their kid at a funeral home like in um like in South Carolina or something like that and the family would just like no you guys are Mexican we don't bury Mexicans here and they were like, wow. dude, my son was just fighting in the war for you guys. He died in the war for you guys, and you're not going to let us bury him here? So the family went, and they told this other dude, with the this dude that had just got back from the military about it, and he was like, no, nah, fuck that. He's He went to the funeral home, and they wouldn't let him bury their kid there. So he was like, you know what? You won't let, they, you won't let them bury him here. I'm going to go to Virginia and have him buried in the most famous cemetery where all the presidents are and all that shit. So he yeah. went up to the Supreme Court and ended up, fighting the case and having the kid buried right there next to presidents. Wow. And that, that dude, he, he was a famous doctor. He ended up becoming, uh, I think he was like the first Mexican dude on the NAACP, but shit like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> shit like that. Just, just again, just conveniently the, written the out of the history book. Yeah. And just the yeah. struggle that, that black and brown people have had to fight for, for, even if we're over there fighting for this country that's supposed to be the land of the free, bro. Like they left, they left all of that out of the history books. Like we're, we're in, not interested in that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, did did you ever hear the stories about um in Vietnam um the Vietnamese would would find out where the black and brown um soldiers were at cuz they were usually together um and they would they would drop leaflets from planes over them literally breaking down everything that the con- you can still look it up it's on it's super interesting to see dude but they would be like you guys are oppressed. You guys, you know, you guys were slaves. You guys, you, they've taken your rights. They've tried to deport you. All these, why are you fighting for them? Like they, they were show literally. It on, um, they show it on that movie, Dead Presidents. He picks, oh, up, yeah. a piece, he picks up a piece of paper yeah. and it's like, black man, go home. This isn't your war. And then yeah. the, the, the dude, white it's dude even, in charge it's is even, like, yeah. It's even deeper than that, dude. Like they, um, I saw one where they were literally just breaking down the atrocities of Americans against them and they're like why would you fight this war they're trying to do to us what they did to you like do you understand the connection of oppression around the world and it was the first time that a lot of you know think about that dude like you're out there you're fighting for america you get that leaflet from them and then you start reading these things and you're like yeah some of these things are true that's fucked up (laughs) yeah and then you come back to america and you see yeah and they're spitting on you that's got to be what a mind fuck, bro. Like what a mind, and that's generations of black and brown people coming back to America now expected to serve America after having fought from America, but also now coming back with the perspective of like, yo, that's what the sixties were, you know, like people were exposed to this big piece of information that maybe the powers that be did not want them to have. Cause we, that was when America started to see the world. And we saw all the other things going on. And then they take that away from us. Dude, another one is Black Wall Street. Just read about Black Wall Street. and Yeah, I I heard about that recently. Yeah, so even when black people worked back under all fucking negative circumstances, worked their way all the way back to a place where they could start to build some privilege and wealth for themselves, we literally fucking bombed it. Like, we made sure that that was not going to happen. So even if the system is set up crooked and you beat the system, you find your own way, like, oh, we're going to make our own banks. We're going to make our own investments. We're going to do all these things. Our history has shown that the powers that be step in and stop that from even happening. Dude, I heard, I just seen a history on white race riots, and they spoke about, it was crazy because they did exactly 100 years ago, well, it was 1919, uh-huh. There was there was over like fifty riots throughout the country, uh, race related riots, and they called it. I think it was like the the bloody summer of nineteen nineteen. But I read one where it was like a cop was shot. A cop was arresting a black dude, and um, the cop was shot, and everybody thought the black dude did it. So the white guys went into the black neighborhood, burned the neighborhood down, raped the women, fucking killed like nine dudes, burnt the churches and restaurants down only to find out that the cop had shot himself and there was actually no black dude involved at all. Wow. And then there was just so many instances of that going on around that time. I was like so fucking crazy. And to go back to the World War II, I started diving into that and that's what really brought me to the Zutsu riots and made me realize like, wow, the beef with the LAPD and and the minority communities has been going on since the fucking, you know, even way before that. And just seeing that how they worded and how they how they um, documented everything and making Hispanics out to be the enemies when we were really the victims, dude, when all these Navy dudes were right here. 
Dog, yeah. they, they really wrote it in the newspaper that Navy Navy boys trying to blow off steam before going off to war. So yeah. their version of blowing off steam is running around fucking L.A. beating the shit out of Mexicans, bro, because yeah. they're, they're not used to seeing Mexicans around. So they're just trying to release steam, like release fucking steam on humans. And um, just doing my research about the whole Zoot Suit riots and how they just ran through the cities raping and pillaging everybody with the support of the LAPD, the taxi union, and regular fucking citizens. Yeah. That's a really fucking... Dude, that taxis were mad, driving well. sailors around. For to free, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. It, it going back, it was just a week of riots. And at first they started targeting uh, Latinos and Zoot Suit, But then it was like, all right, any Latino. And then it was just because it was just, you know what? Anybody that's not white, let's yep. get the black, yep. let's get the Asians, anybody. Yep. And it was yeah. just like, bro, how can you hear that and not believe that there is a fucking, <laughs> not only, not only white suppression in place, but that just the system in place is against the, these people based yeah. on historical fucking facts yeah countless historical facts it's it's weird yeah, so like, um the the history books that we, you and i were taught in school there is it, it isn't like an, an exaggeration to say that that same history book could be filled with this, the amount of stuff that they left out as well oh like, for sure it could be a, its own history book just on the it's stuff they funny, left out. like I'm subscribed to this YouTube channel that it's like an elementary uh, school teacher, but she's like on YouTube teaching lessons, but she's teaching the things that they're not teaching in the textbook. So it's funny. She was going over um, slavery or segregation and the way they worded it in the textbook was didn't it, it didn't make white people guilty. It was more saying <laughs> like, oh, it was more saying, oh. My, these minorities were uncivilized, so they just kind of took right. the roles that the white man let them into. And it right. was like, and then she stops and she's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and she's like, no, they were captured and fucking turned into slaves. Like, yeah. and then it, it was just highlighting the way that people are being taught today and the things that they're not being shown. And um, again, just the way they were trying to sweep everything under the rug to make it seem like it was all peachy. Man, I feel like it's, I think that it's, I, I can't think of a more important thing. Honestly, bro, like I can't think of a more important thing um, other than taking care of yourself than for you to be dedicating your time to right now. Because like I said, I think it's, none, none of us are going to be the same after this, right? It's just not, I never thought I would live through a time that would be so life-changing, right? Like, and again, like, you know, like we talked about, it's not even over. So none of us are going to be the same, but rightfully so, though. You know what I mean? Like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be the same. Like, we yeah. should not be the same after all of this. That We should be awakened more. We should be empathetic more. We should be loving more. We should be all those things. But let's be honest, all of us know, especially, this is one of the reasons I love talking to indie artists, because so much of what indie artists do is is um putting yourself out there in ways that that other people don't you know what i mean like expressing yourselves yeah. in a, in a, it's part of your job to express yourself in ways that other people don't and then being indie struggling through and jumping you know jumping through the hoops is a constant thing it's a constant thing so like even when corona hit um i knew 
that once we started talking to like our friends on Crappy Awesome again, um, that most of I didn't expect one of our artists, the, the artists to come on the show and be like, oh, Corona's just totally beat me down because I know the type of people they are. Like most of them were like, oh, dope. I get to stay at home and record and make mm-hmm. art or do whatever because because you've been through struggles. Right. And you, and you chose a job and you chose a, a life path that comes with inherent struggles and you've accepted that. But again, what that does is like I told Noah Noah and I told Curtis is it makes you battle hardened. So when, so you have a better, you have a better outlook when you see hate or you receive hate, you don't respond like the normal person because it's, you've been having that your whole life. It doesn't even fucking matter. Right. And, and we need people of clear mind and people who have been tested many times to be educated and then express themselves so that people can, you're a brand that people can trust. So people take to heart what you say. And it's important that what you say is coming from a place of education. You know what I mean? Matt, how you said about being, being woke. And I mean, we've spoken uh, a bunch of times about being spiritually woke, right? But now, now I, I'm grateful for Homegirl for lighting that fire under my ass because now I'm educationally woke on on history. You know what I mean? It, and um, it's making me a more well-rounded person because I would have not been able to have this conversation with you two weeks ago. And the conversations that I've been having with my friends and being able to educate my daughter and my family members and just people around me, they, they hear the things that I'm talking about now and they're like, wow, bro, like where where are you learning these things and why are you you know but at the same time they're becoming more educated through it and they're i hear them and see them starting to become more woke and starting to dive more into their own history and their own perspectives and just kind of just kind of seeing the effect that it's having on me and just kind of being like wow like maybe i should educate myself more on on everything going on you know yeah and i think it's i mean what a better opportunity i mean part of what definitely has played into this entire movement, right? Was that we were at home. Um, Most of us were at home. Most of us for the first time in our lives, for the first time ever, we're starting to question, all right, what have I done? Like, what have I been doing? Right? Because for a long time, people could just write the nine to five off and, and come home and just get in the routine. But now for the first time we have dad's, that have never been able to stay home. They're at home. Wives and husbands never been able to like really connect on that level are starting to connect again. Kids are having more conversations about deeper things. And so there's always a blessing and a curse with everything that we have. But I think that logically the best way for us all collectively to take advantage of a bad situation is to do what you're doing. It's to catch up like we all need to like, like intellectually and spiritually catch up right now, you know, and we have this opportunity to do so because imagine, dude, just imagine if a million people just did what you did, you will feel that effect. The world will feel that effect. You will feel the effect because people will treat each other different. There is. There's no denying that. And I think that at one time in American history, we thought, oh, man, that's such a it's such a long and hard battle. Nah, dude, like it's not. It's not that long. If we all got our shit together, we could change this shit tomorrow. 
Like that shit yeah. could really happen. I had I made a tweet that said uh make America make America read American history again. Yeah. That's real it, shit. It, it, it's it's real, bro. Just like I feel like a lot of people either A don't know or B don't want to know or C just haven't tried to know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think like I said I think that it's there's there's opportunity right now to have conversation. Um it's why I thought it was so important to bring crappy awesome back right now like you know, we we debated it a lot. Um but there was like I said I knew and I understand that this is a privileged position but I knew by um by what we do for a living and and the network that I know I was like yo there's a lot of really bright people and and really woke people in this community that behind closed doors we have conversations all the time about stuff like this and right now there's a time when people need to hear more clarity right they need to not just hear the yelling and the screaming and they need to hear some clarity on like yo here's some ideas i've been working on these ideas maybe they could help you like we need to have these longer conversations and it's been an awesome thing that it's come back because that is what we've heard mostly from people like man this is like it's it's helped me to like reevaluate some things you know like um and i know this conversation will do that for people as well and i think that's why it's important again one to continue to speak what you're doing is what you need to be doing you know from a friend outside looking in bro i'm telling you as a friend what you're doing is what you need to be doing because again we need to see the generals on the on the battlefield it's 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 disheartening not to see the generals on the battlefield you know, likewise, bro, like this, this is your power and your platform. And I, I couldn't have this conversation anywhere else. And that's why when I seen you, the conversation you had with Noah, I was like, I need to have that conversation with Chris. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I, it couldn't happen anywhere else. You know what I mean? So this, this is your power and your platform that you you are also supposed to be doing. Uh, absolutely, bro. I, I, I feel like it's it's a good thing. Definitely. Um, I'm looking forward to to seeing like really like our whole community, um, what it's going to look like after, I mean, switching topics just a little bit, but do you have, what has been your observation of like the larger community around us? It, one of the things that Kurt brought up that I hadn't even thought of it was like, he's like, dude, you know, an inevitable thing about this whole thing is that when we come out of this, there are going to be people that are not there anymore. Yeah. Right. There are going to be people that, find out through real life and these real life situations that maybe the path into the entertainment industry or to hit into hip hop or was not for them. Right. Because one of the things that you find out as an artist, especially during times right now is that you still have to like, you still have to work. And so, so part of this is inventing new ways to work and invent and trying to think out of the box. Um, and the people who are not doing that, there's a really good chance that they're not going to be there when we come back, you know? Yeah. Mo momentum is a hard thing to keep, bro. Yeah. And I've been, um, yeah, as far as the, the community as a whole, I think, um, for the most part, we're going to come out stronger. Cause like when you look to the left and you look to the right, you see the people that you would expect to see there for the most part. And then there's kind of like the, the oddballs that kind of point themselves out and, prove themselves to be on on the quote-unquote the other side 
Right. And um, see That's things been weird, right? And then, and then you kind of realize, like, why maybe that person never got to the next level or, you know, where yeah. that person's um, head has always been. And I like, like you were saying, the people that aren't going to be here, I feel like those people weren't going to be here, like, to begin with. Because I remember coming into the game, looking around and telling myself, like, yo, most of these people aren't going to be at, at the end of the tunnel when you get there. Yeah. And I think I remember having a conversation with you early on, maybe like 2012, and using an analogy from a movie that I saw called Sin Nombre. And it was like, all there's like a thousand immigrants getting on a train. And the dad tells the daughter, like, yo, when this train gets to America, like 90, 99% of these people aren't going to be there. So it was kind of always like, keep your head down, do your own thing and focus on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as far as that goes, that's, I've always kind of just done my own thing. And um, I feel like the people that follow me, follow me for whatever I do, whether it's music, the festival, my memes, or just me as a person. But yeah. um, as far as everything as a whole, back to that, just like, I think we're going to be stronger because people are like, I, I actually wanted to reach out to Noah and be like, yo, let's get a rally together. No music, no nothing. And let's just speak to people, educating them about what we could do. And like, we could use Firewater, the, the venue that we do for Top Fest and all that. But like, I've been hesitant because on the on the same side as the as the promoter of ThoughtFest, like if we're gonna do that, we could throw the festival, but we're also putting people in danger. So like I kind of wanted to just stay away from all that and just kind of use my voice online. But again, back back to the community, I just feel like the people that are out there on the front lines are doing it, and they're seeing the people that they would see at these hip hop shows and stuff like that. And um, and yeah, I mean we're we're just kind of showing that we. We know what's going on and we're fighting for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been super dope, man, to see um, here in San Diego. One of the things we've definitely experienced is a lot of the people at the front lines are like people who were at hip hop wins or people who were organizing um, in hip hop already. Um, and that shit is super dope because I know like the inspiration comes from this culture that we love. You know what I mean? Like this, this culture that literally has like, saved our lives many times um and i feel like it's it's dope to see the culture being used in a time when we need it to be used as um a history book and we need it to be used as a sword sometimes too you know what i mean like hip-hop is is what it is it's revolution music any way you look at it whether it's your mind whether it's your environment whether it's the you know the what, what you believe in like it is revolution music and and hopefully we'll we'll continue to see more of that dude i think that it's again like i think just even having this conversation with you it feels like um i know that you're one of those people that keeps an eye on the pulse of what's happening so if it's affecting you then i think we can assure that it's affecting our our followers and supporters right like everybody we, yeah we know that so if we can help put some perspective or some new ideas or whatever. I think it's our responsibility and I don't have a problem. Like I told, I told Noah, man, like I'm ready to put another 300 episodes on the board right now. The way I feel about the show, like I will, I'm ready to go. I'm refreshed. I think it's finally, we're, I like the fact that the stuff that we all collectively have already been doing is now um, something that we can use as tools to help the movement. And that's dope. You know what I mean? Because because it feels like, wow, it really did come from a real place, you know? 
Yeah, so everybody's playing their part. Even even the people that are just posting memes and just um, spreading information and just helping people have more tools when they're out here arguing with people that that may have a difference of opinion. And um, you know, some people are waking up the 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 bigger people, and I, you know, like the leaders and the fighters, and like like I said, like I got that fire lit in me now, and my voice is a little louder than people. Yep. And um, if we can do that to other leaders around the world and around the yeah. communities and around the country. And these people start organizing because we're good at organizing and, yep. and start leading people exactly. in the right, in the right direction. That's, that's a move in the right direction. Exactly. And um, I think the point, I think from here, it's just kind of getting clear um, points across that, that people can universally agree on and actually <clears throat> presenting these to the city council and and state officials and the people that need to hear it and actually putting things into action because protesting is good for for raising awareness and getting people to pay attention to the cause but at the end of the day you know with like Martin Luther King when all these things went through there was actual things written on paper that they wanted passed Ooh, and I think important. that when we get to specifics and presenting these specifics to the people in charge is when the action is going to take place yeah, I agree with you, man. Well said, by the way. Um, I think that that definitely is is what we're seeing in our future. It's what's needed. It's why people like you, um, it's important that you're, you're taking such an active role. Because again, like you said, one of the things you do just naturally by what your job calls for is formulating ideas and organizing things, right? Like, dude, that's, it's such a, a look, all you got to do is look at yourself and go, how many people have done the things that you have done not a lot so then we know that that's a it's a rarity but it's a commodity that's valued right it's something that we need like every group of soldiers needs someone to analyze the battlefield right we need that we have to have that or we'll lose that's yeah. just it and what the powers that be would like us to believe is that those groups should never mix you don't have anything in you don't have anything in common you're not out on the front lines every day with these kids you don't have anything in common bullshit like bullshit like we have a lot in common and the fact that they they're young enough to go out there and do that and strong enough to go out and do that then we need to be backing them up when they come and go like okay what should we do now what is are we doing the right thing like we need more of our community leaders to jump into the fight and like i said like i'm i rest assured that that is happening because it is you're 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 doing it noah's doing it curtis is doing it. a lot of the people that we know are doing it um parker edison he's organizing out here rick scales is organizing out here there's it's that shit is beautiful man because i know that only a year ago it was just us being hip-hop we yeah. were just being hip-hop and now we've been able to translate all the things that we've learned in that culture to apply them to what's happening now. And that's a beautiful thing, you know? Dude, my, my whole mentality has shifted. Like, I was reading Rakim's book when all of this shit jumped off. And um, as I started getting into the information, like, I stopped reading Rakim's book and picked up Malcolm X's book. And now, like, the people that would inspire me, like, at, at, when I would wake up in the morning would be like Tupac, Biggie, like Jay-Z, the, the music people. And now when I wake up, it's Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Cesar Chavez, all these people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just just as great as men, but just in different parts of the fight, because some people use their art and other people use 
their words and their yeah. their movement and their their agendas you know what i mean and um looking back like i guess i mean even looking deeper into myself like i've always wanted to be a great man i've always wanted to do great things whether it's make great music or just make a lasting uh uh impression on the people that know who i am or mm-hmm. or on the music industry or in my community whatever it is so i'm i've always been turned on by these kind of dudes pause but um yeah just that that hunger for information like i my head like this morning like i had a free day and it's like yo do i start working on music and it's like i don't really have the eagerness for that right now i'm i'm eager to learn about everything that's going on and just having this information and how we can spread it and and how we can, like I was saying, put things into actual action on a national and a local level. And that's kind of where I've been focusing more on my nonprofit organization, because as, as I break everything down, I feel like that could be the, the jump start to the movement that we want to start. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that's going to be the foundation of, well, what do you do for your community? Well, I do this for my community. And that, that could be the the foundation of everything from there. And um, that's kind of knowledge and, and the, and the foundation are kind of where my heads are right now. And that's going to be my, my tools for this fight are preparing the, the younger gentlemen coming up in the city. You know what I mean? They don't have this information given, providing them with the tools to go out there and fight. And that's, um, that's wherever, so wherever that leads, whether that makes, I end up trying to be the one dude with tattoos on city council or, or just like a, um, I don't know, a, just somebody the, that has a voice within the city council. Yeah. Um, that, that would, would be, be dope. amazing. That, that, that would, would be, be dope. And also just using, you know, the foundation and the core of it again is giving these kids the education of, you know, not only minorities in America, but how to succeed in America and showing them, you know, giving them the providing the platform of the arts and the festival and just all my outlets that I have to be able to offer them job opportunities and experience within this industry and stuff like that. And um, I think that's where it's going to start for me, bro. That's awesome, man. I mean, like I said, I think uh, super proud of you for jumping into this stuff. Um, I think it is important. Um, on a side note, like it's super important for people of Latino heritage and, and Hispanic heritage to hear someone that looks like them that they can relate to um, really reaching out and trying to, you know, um, just bridge do. The gap. Yeah, bridge the gap. But also like. It, it, one of the things that you you do, and I think you just you just know this as a leader, it's so important to um, you got to call yourself the task. You know what I mean? You got to say like, "Yo, wait, hey, did I? Man, I need to study more. Like, I need to do that." Those are those big steps, and it's because again, you know, you've done already like this amount of work on your own ego, on your own thing. Like the work was there, so when you were presented with the information it's very obvious to you where you're like, Oh shit, I need to know this shit. Like this is important, but I think it's even, it speaks way more volumes in the fact that you are able to question yourself and question your own motives and question. That's the conversation that uh, eventually is going to be the thing that saves us all. Right. Is that we are able to individually have these conversations with ourselves, with our family members, with our friends, with our community. Like I told Noah, there is, is a large population 
who see themselves as allies to this movement, largely white people, that once this all goes down and the changes that need to happen, they will have to sit there and ask themselves, am I willing to trade the privilege that I have right now in nope. order for all people to be treated better? And that's going to be a big conversation. We're not there yet, but that's on the way. So if you're an ally and you're somebody who's like, yo, yo, I feel for you. Cool. But you're going to be right. called to make the decision soon. That's going to change your entire life. And it's going to be like, what, what are you, if you are at all willing to give up to help benefit these other people that have been set, you know, a few steps yeah. down from, from the beginning. And yeah. um, that's what makes people most uncomfortable. And I feel like once, I feel like if, if there was ever like a form of reparations and people were to understand that it's not going to come from their taxes or they don't have to give oh up God, X yeah. amount of property or whatever, that it's just going to come like the stimulus check came, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it's just, or like the, the casinos came to the Native Americans. Yep. It's kind of like, you just learning that whole, that whole history in itself made me realize like, yo, why have we not given reparations? You know what I mean? But again, yeah, like you said, that conversation is going to have to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it, man. Yo, dude, thank you so much for doing this, bro. Like I, I was super hyped that I got the, the text from you, especially when I knew that you, you wanted to come on and talk about a lot of these social issues happening and impacting your own life. Again, I think that um, what you're doing to me, to me is one of the most important things and it's just setting an example um, because you are on a platform that unlike a lot of people, you have a huge network um, and you're able to put out a tweet and reach a lot of people in one tweet. Again, if we're not using those tools that we like earned, right? Like we earned those kind of tools. We earned the ability to do this kind of stuff, but we're not using them right now when the people that, that, that are that go to our shows that buy our shit and do all these things or listen to this podcast if we can't help them right now then we're useless and that's not the side i want to be on you know what i mean like at the end of this day i want to look back at history and know that i was on the right side of history and to me that's the most important thing right now is that we collectively are are doing our our best to use the tools we already have and throw them in the pot so that other people can use them as well, you know, whether it's just by, for inspiration or, or just for a kind word. Like, I hope that there's, there's somebody listening to this podcast right now that was literally going, damn, I should study that shit. Oh, shit, 60 did it? Fuck it, I'm going to do it. Like, that's all we need. That To me, that's a win. You know what I mean? And I, I've already seen it, you know, with like, um, I work with, with one of my cousins and like, instead of being at work, shooting the shit with them, talking about whatever... I have my headphones on and I'm learning, watching documentaries and learning about this, learning about that. And then I'll, you know, as soon as it's done, he's like, all right, well, tell me what you learned. And then I'll see him like pick it up and he's like, oh, I'm going to go look that up and start picking it up, you know? So it's just kind of spreading past, past the info, like you pass the joint or you pass the yep. wire, you know what I mean? And um, Exactly. Yeah, just just knowing why, you, why you're able to do the things that you are, you know what I mean? Um as soon as I learned that Mendez versus Westminster case, I, I, there's a child, a children's book on it. I bought the adult version for myself and I bought my daughter, the children's version. Cause I want her to know when she's at school, why wow. she's able to go to school with the white kids next to her and all the other kids next to her. Why the reason she is sitting in that classroom is because a Mexican kid 
and her father fought for them to be there. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I felt aside from the daughter daddy connection, I felt that would be a powerful story just to start her off with and set her on her own journey. You know what I mean? And um, again, like I just want to encourage everybody, but, but because I'm speaking from a Latino Mexican American perspective, just know your own history and, you know, dive into it and just know where we came from and why we're here and why we're able to do the things that we're doing. And, um, dude, I tripped out, like, uh, going back to the learning about the Zutu riots. Like, I had grown up watching the movie Blood In, Blood Out my whole life and just, right. you know, like, kind of always been interested in the wrong side of that movie, always kind of liking the street shit and the gang shit and looking up to it and then not realizing why Edward James almost decided to start that movie with the Zutu riots because he knew, one, this movie is going to Mexican-Americans, Mexican culture all around the world. You know what I mean? But primarily Mexican-Americans are going to be watching and celebrating this movie. What better way to get these people to go back and learn about their history and their heritage mm. than by starting this movie with the fucking Zutu riots? And then once I started researching them and it clicked, I was like, oh, this is why he did that. And then it made me dive into Edward James almost his other movies. And he going into... um. Mi Familia, he starts with the great deportation that happened right. during the, the same era. And I was like, wow, like, this dude has been so woke and I didn't even realize it yet. But he's <laughs> sub subliminally been sliding these things into Mexican-American movies and culture so people can go back and do their history on them. And it just made me realize, like, yo, I need to do the same not only within my music, but just be outspoken about it and be, and be proud of um, heritage and culture and be able to speak about it and history and where we could go and the advancement of our people in this country and um all of that dude I, i'm just it's this shit excites me and uh, um you know like like the people that follow me when i get excited about something bro like that just opens the door to so much other things oh my god oh my god i can't even imagine <laughs> what you're gonna make out of this dude thank you so much for being on the show bro um please come back anytime uh i mean dude the way I'm doing this show, it's, it's, I love doing this show. Um, come back anytime. Come back if you're like, yo, I just thought of something. Let's do an episode. I'm down. Let's mm -hmm. do it. We need to get the information out I as much as possible. And like I said, if we can just give something to, to add to people's day and, and break up the monotony, especially that's happening right now, and, and give them some, just some good food to eat. You know what I mean? Like, let's do that. Dude, you just you just gave me an idea. Like, um, like I've been on, on YouTube, like researching all these history things too. It'd be dope because there's now like a hip hop channel that talks about history. And Ooh. like if we were to talk about like anything, like if we were to just have an episode about the civil rights movement or an episode about Martin Luther King, episode about Malcolm X, and just talk about our unique researching and experiences about him and it, it doesn't have to be me or you you know what i mean that's just an idea to anybody I'm out down. there who if there's a if there's a history teacher rapper out there yo this is for you you know what i mean hell um, yes but yo, that, coming that, to platformcollection.com very soon yo I'd, I'd definitely be interested <laughs> in doing something like that with you bro let's do it let's do it i'm down i mean we're on fire right now um the platform collection staff is is is, is on fire right now so we're down, dude. Um, and like I said, I giving giving a platform um, to someone like you as well to just to help spread um, your message is something we want to keep doing. So please come back. Um, 
And uh, is there anything that people should be looking out for right now? Or just they should just be paying attention to your Twitter right now, right? Because you're going to be yeah, giving yeah, them information. Yeah, I mean, I, I, me and Curtis King dropped that project in uh, in February. I released the video with Fashawn, and then I released yep. another music video with Afro. All of that shit is up right now. I got a bunch of behind-the-scenes content um, for that. And I'm just I'm gonna be dropping a bunch of music, uh, a bunch of singles that I've had ready to release that were supposed to be out if things weren't the way they are right now. Um, I got I'm working on my debut album or not my debut, but my first official studio album. Um, yep. I think I think it's a classic. I've uh, I've never worked on a classic before, and it, this project just feels different. Like I just I hear it and I hear classic, and I just being extra careful about every little tweak that I make to it because I just, I feel like it's going to be a special project, not only because of all the things that we talked about and the things that are going to be mentioned on the project. Uh-huh. But hey, that um, was, your was that you, that was you and your daughter? I don't know what just happened. <laughs> it, I think um, it just switched to a picture of you and your daughter. Oh, crazy. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm working on my album, but the way things are looking, I don't even plan on releasing it until next year when things like are somewhat back to normal, you know what I mean? But I will yeah. be releasing uh, new music and, um, yeah, definitely speaking more about what's going on and all the knowledge I'm intaking. Yeah, man. We definitely got to, we got to do something too. We got to get in the studio. I got to send you some beats. We got to, that's kind of overdue. We gotta yeah, do something. bro. We'll got to put a song out. All right, man. Well, thank you so much, dude. Um, Dude, much love to you and your family, dude. Um. Again, stay in touch. Let us know what's going on with ThoughtFest, any new updates. And uh, and we're ready to back you for city council. So let's get this <laughs> crack in. You know what I mean? All right, brother. Yeah, thank you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you too, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bro. And that's the homie 60 East, man. Make sure you guys tune into everything he's doing and look out for the return of the Happiness of Pursuit Festival sometime in the future. I'm sure it'll be back. Um, if this is your first time tuning into this podcast, please go over to platformcollection.com. Support the artists we support. Uh, we are nothing without them. That's a true fact. We got a bunch of cool episodes coming up. King Dice is on the next episode, so make sure you guys check that out. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.